Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro at the NovaCare Complex. It's week five of this NFL season, and the Eagles are going to see something on Sunday at Heinz Field that they haven't seen all season. They're going to see fans in the stands. Wentz, back, goes to Sanders. He's in! Touchdown! Now, it may not be as loud as that. Only a handful of fans, 7,000 or so fans, will be there. But it will add to the atmosphere, and it will add to the intensity. Because we've heard all along here through four weeks how much the players miss the fans. No word yet on the status of fans in Philadelphia. So we are awaiting that word from the Philadelphia mayor's office. So what's up? The Eagles 1-2-1 and one in first place in the NFC East. Actually unbeaten in the last two games, a tie against Cincinnati, a win at San Francisco. All very promising. There are some players who could come back this week. Deshaun Jackson working a bit in practice. Alshon Jeffrey working in practice as well. Both of those players would be greatly, greatly welcome back to an offense that's still struggling to score points. We know this. The Eagles will be tested in a big way on Sunday against the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get a preview of the Steelers in our first look from Bob Labriola, Steelers.com. Who I gotta say, borders on cockiness when talking about the Steelers, and maybe for good reason. It's a really good football team on both sides of the ball. We'll hear from that in just a bit. Also, how about visiting with Alex Singleton, one of the heroes of the Sunday night win against the 49ers, and his story is a great one. He's been in the NFL in one way or another, actually in professional football, in one way or the other since 2015. So for him, making that play against San Francisco meant so, so much. But let's begin our podcast here on this Wednesday with what we normally do. A one-on-one exclusive with head coach Doug Peterson. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to our weekly one-on-one with head coach Doug Peterson. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and we're happy on this uh, day after the win in San Francisco. Doug, it does remind you how great it feels to win a football game and how hard it is to win a football game in the NFL. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dave. It is, it is extremely hard to win, um, you know, in the National Football League. And then, and then, you know, for us now, it's a matter of just kind of if we can continue to stack, you know, good practice days, you know, each week. I thought we had a really good week of preparation last week, and that that goes to that goes to how you play in the game, right? And and uh, to get to get a win on on uh, on Sunday, Sunday night football, you know, we just got to we got to build off of that, you know, this next week and the following week, and uh, just take them one at a time and and not not get ahead of ourselves, but just enjoy it for uh, for a short period of time. Doug, we kept it positive last week, so let's do the same thing here. Uh, what do you take from Sunday night's win? What, what does it tell you about the football team? Well, it, it tells me and it shows me that this, this, there's, there's no quit in this football team. There's, uh, there's a lot of fight still left. Uh, it's a resilient group. Um, obviously, when our back's against the wall, whether we're faced with, you know, a, a couple of losses, no wins, you know, whether it be injury, adversity, whatever it is. They, they, these guys come out swinging and, and, and keep, keep fighting and keep, keep clawing and scratching. And it's also showed me that, you know, that hard work pays off and the preparation pays off. And it's, it's a diligent group. You know, they, they enjoy coming to work and practicing and, and, and they're saying and doing, 
you know, all the right things. And, and you're starting to see the team kind of come together and starting, starting to click just a little bit. You know, I, I, I hate to really kind of allude to this, but you know, it's, it, it feels like we've kind of worked our way out of preseason game, so to speak. And you're kind of hearing that theme around the league, I think with, with some teams and, you know, every game matters though. That's, that's the, that's the issue. These aren't preseason games. These are real games that, uh, uh, that matter for us. Doug, I know that Eagles fans on Sunday night watched and they saw number 13 on the field and they said, I didn't know Nelson Aguilar was still on the team. Who's this Travis <laughs> Fulgham guy? He's 6'2", he's 215. Give me a scouting report on him. And what did he do in practice specifically to kind of earn your trust? How'd you challenge him? Well, as you said, he's got really good size, length, good speed, quickness. He's strong. Um, you know, he's a veteran player. He's, he's played some games, you know, in the National Football League. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a rookie by any by any stretch and and um you know he's he he's we had a chance to get him and we and we got him on our roster and um had him had him obviously on practice squad to start the season and and really just kind of learn our offense and and then he was making plays you know uh on the scout team you know during during the week and and that's where he started to become you know getting noticed a little bit you know by the offensive coaches and by myself and and then obviously with the with the amount of injuries that we've have piled up at the receiver spot has given him an opportunity to to really come up now and and, and showcase his talent you know uh in in the, in the offense or within the offense and I thought he did a really good job not only blocking but catching the football catch after the run the 42 yard touchdown was a really a thing of beauty the, the over the shoulder catch and then obviously to stay in bounds for the touchdown um and and he, he's 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 a quiet kid you know he doesn't doesn't say a whole lot uh he's a sponge he loves to learn and uh, just excited that uh, he had an opportunity. So the story is that he and Carson repped that play only one time in practice, and yet you call that in a primetime game in a huge moment on Sunday night? It, well, it, you know, we might have repped it, you know, once, but, but they spent time over on the side, you know, between, between periods or between, you know, if the defense is working and, and throwing a lot of different routes. And, um, you know, Carson, I know, has, has a comfort level with him, and, and uh, it's just what it takes. You know, just a couple opportunities for, for players like that to, uh, to showcase their talent, what they can do. Um, and he had an opportunity, and he made the most of it. So now it's just a matter of carrying that over into this week, having another good week of preparation as we prepare for, uh, for Pittsburgh. One constant in the NFL is that, that, that continuity and repetition makes all the difference with an offensive line. And yet this offensive line has had change every single week. And I know you're not playing to the level as the best in the NFL, but take me behind the scenes. What's happening to get a group of changing five players on the same page come game time? Well, it's it's extremely difficult, you know, because those five have to be on the same page. Obviously, everything starts with, you know, Jason Kelsey up front with the communication, and then it just, just stems out from there. And, and we ended up playing with, I think, seven offensive linemen yesterday. Jack Driscoll played. Uh, Sua Opeta played. Um you know, so we played with quite a few guys in the game, um, but it's all about communication and then and then just detailing their work and, and and using the right footwork, the right fundamentals that that Coach Stoutland teaches and and um, you know it, it wasn't a, it wasn't perfect, but but they for the most part they battled their tails off and and uh, really against a, a really good defensive line. Um, that's a very active defensive line. They they brought we knew that on third down they were going to pressure us. Uh, they had some unique pressures 
um, that uh, our offensive line, there were a couple of times, you know, they got home to Carson, but for the most part, our guys held up well and battled it. But it's all about the communication. And uh, when you have so many moving parts and so many new faces, um, that's a challenge for, for any offensive line. So you don't have Dallas Goddard, but you still ran 12 personnel with Richard Rodgers, who had three catches. I mean, this is talking about and had a chance at another big play. When you put together your game plan with that 12 personnel, knowing that Richard doesn't necessarily have the same skill set as Dallas, do you change the plays you're calling in 12 personnel? I mean, how did you address this, the use of two tight ends? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, Rich is not Dallas, and Dallas is not Rich, and, of course, Zach is Zach. So, um, you know, we still go in. We're going to play with 12 personnel. It's it's something that, uh, we, you know, we still feel like we can create some matchups there uh, against the defense. And, you know, Rich has Rich has a skill set that, that we can utilize. And not only is he, a, is he a really good blocker, but some of the stuff we did yesterday with him, you know, frees him up to, to catch a – to catch a ball in the flat and turn it up the sideline. He did have an opportunity uh, on the one deep corner throw uh, that would, I think it, it looked like it slipped out of Carson's hand just a little bit and couldn't get enough on it, but that would have been another big play, you know, for him. But, you know, and those are all plays that, you know, you would see Dallas, you know, making in the game. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue the game plan with 12 personnel, with 13 personnel, um, you, you know, 13 big whatever it might be, um, you know, each week. Doug, it's fourth quarter. You're down three points. It's fourth and four, and Carson throws the ball to a rookie fifth-round draft pick, John Hightower. Tell me about the call, the decision to throw it to John, and then what worked with Hightower creating separation and also Carson's throw? Well, it was just a, it was a great great play by, by both Carson, great throw and, uh, uh, and a great catch by John. I will say that, you know, it's something that we work on in practice. We saw the man-to-man coverage, and, and Carson actually signaled to Greg and and, and John a, a specific route combination. And Greg did a great job of running some interference on the defender. Um, you know, I think it was Jason Verrett who was uh, guarding him at the time and ran some interference that freed John up to come on the quick slant. Carson made a great throw, accurate throw, caught the ball for the first down. But those are all, again, those are things that were that timing and accuracy and you know, as things begin to click for our young players, um, we got to continue to put them in those positions, right? I mean, it, you know, this is the NFL, and these guys um, were brought onto our team for a reason, to help us win games, and that was a big play in the game. How many runs are in the playbook, designed runs that are in the playbook that you haven't used for Carson? I mean, is there still a large menu of designed runs that he hasn't attempted? Yeah, there. you know, the ones you saw yesterday were – Pretty much by design. Uh, some of them were obviously throws that turned into scrambles, and 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 he used his legs, especially on a couple third downs. Um, but there's still a few more, you know, a few more wrinkles that that we have with, with him um, that that we can use. And it's something as as we you know as we put the run game plan together, as Coach Stoutland puts the run game plan together each week, he's constantly he's always looking for ways uh, to get our quarterback in space uh, in the run game because that's something that. You know, defenses usually don't account for. Um, and uh, Carson's had some success here in the last couple of weeks. Might be a weird question here, and I know you're sleep-deprived, de- so, so stick with me here for a moment. They showed a graphic during the broadcast 
that in, in 2017, Carson completed 60% of his passes. He threw 33 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. And I wonder, is Carson never going to be what they call a pretty quarterback with the 70% completion percentage and the, you know, the, the flawless kind of pocket? Is he going to be not the pretty quarterback? Does that make sense to you? It, it does make sense. And, and, and I don't know, you know, Carson Wentz, um, this is what this is what I I love about Carson Wentz is his game. He plays the game. He plays the game the right way, and what I mean by that is, it's it's not always going to be the, the 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 shiny new nickel you know that that you get and um, or the shiny new toy that you know looks flashy and and uh, looks neat and pretty and all of that. And Carson's Carson's a grinder, man. He he he, he loves to play physical. Um, he, that's what his game is. Um, you know he's athletic. He can run, as you saw. Get him out of the pocket. He's very accurate on the run, um, and and then the ability. You know, yesterday was great to throw the deep ball. You know, and uh, and and to be able to complete that. So, you know, there there's there's pretty. I guess pretty pretty comes in many different forms, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and uh, Carson's style may not be the so-called pretty, uh, but it's effective and it's it's highly effective and, and it helps us win games. On the defensive side, three takeaways, Doug. Huge. That's the key statistic that you're looking for, right? Yeah. You know, we've been talking about you know the the turnover ratio for the last couple of weeks, and and uh, we finally we finally got it flipped in our in our favor, and it just goes to show you when you know um, you know we got obviously the offense scored, and then when the defense scores, that's that's when your point totals begin to to be increase, right? And then you get your, a special team score in there somewhere. But uh, that turnover ratio is is huge, and it's uh, it's a direct correlation to wins and losses. Doug, I know that you have uh, been working on very sparing time here, getting back from San Fran late. How do you catch up with the hours getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday? Well, you know, most of the coaches, coaches staff really have, have kind of looked at Pittsburgh a little bit last week, towards the end of last week, to kind of in preparation for, you know, the early part of the week, um, knowing that we were going to get back late. Or early Monday morning, you know, from that from that trip, uh, the players, um, you know, can come in, get their workouts in, and and really be out of the building, you know, the first couple of days, and it gives the coaches a chance to really dive into into Pittsburgh and and really put the game plan together, and and then when the players come back in on Wednesday, you know, we're we're ready to go, and 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 uh, we get prepared for Pittsburgh. Great stuff, Coach Doug Peterson. Thanks so much. Go over to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers on Sunday. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broad and Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink, featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay. Broad and Patterson Wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com wine to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation. Linebacker Alex Singleton signed in the post-draft period in 2015 with Seattle, bounced around to a bunch of teams, ended up for three years in the Canadian Football League, and now he's a Philadelphia Eagle. He was promoted from the practice squad to the active roster in 2019, one of the key members of the team's special teams. And on Sunday night, he made the play of a lifetime, stepping in front of Nick Mullins, Stepping in front of a Nick Mullins pass, making the interception, 
and taking it to the house. In his pattern, first and 10, San Francisco at the 25. Back goes Mullen. He pumps. It's intercepted. It's intercepted. Down the far sideline and in for an Eagles touchdown. It is Singleton. Alex Singleton intercepts it and the Eagles break it open. It was a moment that Singleton will never, ever forget, as he explains here. Alex, um, I mean, life changes in an instant, doesn't it? Like, is that how you kind of feel right now? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, especially in this game, you know, it's, uh, it's, what have you done for me lately? And all you've done is, is play really well, you know, before the interception. I mean, let's talk about the whole, the whole experience. So, um, before the interception, how do you, how do you feel you're playing? You get, you get thrown into a situation that is, is a big game, obviously against a team that throws a lot of stuff at you. Um, how do you think you played before the interception? Oh uh, yeah, before that, you know, I, I thought I had a couple, uh, you know, good tackles, but then you know, obviously a couple. Uh, I, I personally, you know, uh, you know, in cover four, a couple drops that you know I would take back today. You know, watching the film, uh, but overall, you know, I, you know, good, not great, but uh, you know, obviously a lot of things I'd correct now, but you know, I felt like I, you know, went in and you know did my job. And then it happens. Can you take take me through? your recollections of the, of everything you've thought about from the time you broke the huddle? <laughs> Man, you, you know, uh, quicksand is what I, you know, is what it felt like. Uh, you know, I, you know, I knew obviously the coverage we were in, uh, I didn't think the play that they were running was what they were actually running. And, you know, I, I thought they were going to throw the ball to 44 for, uh, you know, whatever reason in my, in my head. So I was kind of dropping off of him and, Ended up dropping, you know, obviously to where I did. And the guy kind of, like I said, you know, threw me the ball. And then from that moment, I just remember seeing it in the air and thinking, this is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I still I still feel that way that, you know, it didn't, didn't really happen. You know, it, it can't be true. But, uh, you know, it did. Uh, and once I caught it, I was like, you have to score. You know, it was uh, one of those things. And. You know, still, like I said, it felt like quicksand when I was running. I, I, I feel like I'm still running at this point, you know, how slow I felt like I was going. But, you know, i just happy, happy I ended up in the end zone. I love the way you lowered your shoulder, man. You were, there was, you were not going to be denied. Yeah, I do. I do remember. I, I think I was about the 10. I, I did hear the sideline kind of, you know, you, could, you can tell by how your teammates react when you catch it. You know, ever since you were little, you know, you can hear like, a, you know, when they're like, oh, or like, ah, you know, you can tell whether you're going to you have a chance of scoring when you get an interception. And uh, I, you know, when I caught it, I kind of felt that 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 sound from the sideline, like, oh, he can score. You know, you have that whatever sense that your teammates can tell. And so, you know, you knew there was a chance. And yeah, I hit about the the 10 yard line. And I just saw, you know, the quarterback and one of the offensive linemen. And I was like, Oh, I'm cutting back. Like there's no way I'm running out of bounds on this one. Alex, what was the feeling when you got into the end zone? Uh, honestly, you know, without a crowd, it was, it honestly felt almost, almost kind of like the best practice of my life. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, you know, uh, obviously, you know, if it was a Sunday night crowd, I think it would have been, 
you know, a completely different situation, but just thinking, you know, more like more just happy, you know, that the situation happened, you know, for honestly, you know, myself, but also, you know, just my family and everybody that's always supported me to be able to, to be able to just prove to them, you know, that, you know, I was, that I can do that on Sunday night, you know, that, you know, it's one of those things you dream about your whole life and just to, you know, prove to them, you know, or, or give it back to them. You know, that, that was the first thing I thought when I scored. I want to get into that story in a moment. Um, you kept the football, right? You didn't do something dumb, like throw it or anything like that, right? Well, you know, there's nowhere to, to throw, throw it. Right. Like That's I've, right. You know, like I've said, I, you know, I just, <laughs> even if I did throw it in the stands, you know, it, it would just and get still, it. they would, they would have to give it to me because there was no one to give it to. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have it yet per se, but I do know I, I, it's somewhere. I know, you know, our uh, equipment guy has it somewhere. <laughs> I, I would, I, I would imagine. I'm gonna get it. Who would ever know? But like, if there were, can you imagine doing it at Lincoln Financial Field with a full crowd? Like, you lose your mind and you just throw it in the crowd. You go, oh my god, no, no, no! I want that ball back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Luckily, you know, I'm a guy. You know, I've always, you know, because you know, obviously, a huge family guy. I would never. Let go. I don't. I don't think I let go of the ball till I had to go on the field. You know, because I had to go on kickoff. So, I. Uh, I don't think I gave it up until until I was going on the field for kickoff. <laughs> um, let, before we get into the story, because your story is a fascinating one, and I'm not sure Eagles fans are totally familiar with it. Uh, you do the you do the post game. What what was it like in the locker room? Did you get Did you get a shout out from Doug? Did you Were you like you know? I mean, it must have been a glorious moment. To win a most important thing is the team won a game that it had to win, and then to make such a big play it was like, hey man, like this is great validation. This is great respect that I'm getting. Um, I feel really great about contributing to this victory. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I got to break down the team, which was awesome. You know, just uh, you know, I think because you know all week, you know, we we've preached, you know, scoring on defense, getting turnovers, doing all these things, and you know, to be a guy that you know is a small role player. You know, a guy that, you know, in practice, you know, I, you know, I take scout team reps, uh, you know, perform on special teams, you know, and a few defensive snaps here and there. And to, you know, be there and, you know, kind of say like, you know, let's get turnovers and do this stuff. You know, sometimes you kind of feel like you're just obnoxious to the team, you know, sometimes, you know, just saying things. And so to be able to, to be able to go out and, you know, do that and then have, you know, the guys, you know, a lot of, you know, the older veterans just be like, you know, like, good job. You know, we, that's something that, you know, we, we see you do it was really cool to get that validation and to, you know, be able to break down the team and, you know, you know, say, Hey, that's our first win, but also, you know, we're first in the East now, you know, like things like that, just the little things that, you know, are huge in this game because this game is such a, like we said earlier, you know, what have you done for me lately? And all that matters is, winning your division during the regular season and, you know, obviously making the playoffs. You used the word, you felt obnoxious. Can you kind of go into that? Yeah, you, you know, sometimes, you know, as a, as a role player or not a huge guy on the team, sometimes when you're like, you know, hey, you guys, you know, let's let's uh, you know, let's create turnovers. Let's do these things. You know, you just feel like it's so hard for you personally to be able to do that. But also you have to believe in yourself to do that. So, you know, I, I say obnoxious, you know, you're almost a cheerleader, especially with no fans, you know, to the, to that, to the team. And, 
but also, you know, you can be in situations to be able to do it. And so, uh, you know, obviously when your number's called, you know, luckily I was in the perfect position for Mullins to throw me the ball. But, uh, you know, you, you do feel, you know, almost kind of obnoxious, you know, cheering on all the time and, you know, preaching the, we got to score, we got to create turnovers. But luckily, I, you know, got in that situation. Alex, and then you then you get to uh, <clears throat> kind of enjoy it in a, in a re- weird way, which I can appreciate, on a long road trip. So you probably got to your phone, I don't even know, when you're, as you're getting out of the locker room, walking to the airplane, you know, to the, to the bus, to the, to the airport. I, I would imagine your yeah. phone got blown up beyond, like, anything you've ever experienced. Yeah, uh, you know, because after games, usually, you know, it's obviously, you know, I call, you know, I call my family after every game, you know, FaceTime them and. Just, you know, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, I just, if I just make a tackle, you know, it's cool to call them and just be able to, you know, live that moment with them, you know. So, you know, yeah, I got, I got to my phone and had a little more than just a text from my mom about, uh, (laughs) about a play. It was, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know Instagram worked the way it did with, uh, how, how the messages were coming in i i I have a lot of friends from high school that i uh didn't know i had their number still that uh was popping up it was uh it was it was definitely interesting i still haven't gone through all the the texts and everything and to anyone you know and to everyone listening that's messaged me thank you you know for the for the you know shout outs retweets uh (laughs) likes favorites you know whatever all the all the different platforms do it. You know, it means a lot to me, and I will never be able to say thank you to everybody because it, it is really cool. And I don't know how people that uh, do that every week that uh, I don't know. I don't know how they survive because their phones must just die all the time. <laughs> hey, uh, did you sleep on the flight back, or were you too high to sleep after the game? Oh, I I still really haven't slept. I slept last night a little. Uh, I'm still kind of. Still kind of, I would say cloud nine, but not, it's more of a like surreal, more than, less than cloud nine. Cause I don't, I don't feel like the high, but it's just kind of like the best living, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I feel like I was in the position to do what I've always thought I could do, but also, also just the happiest I've been and just how my family is so happy, you know, just, uh. An experience I think, you know, I won't realize until I'm 50, 60, 70 years old and just kind of like when someone brings it up, I'm going to be like, wow, that's still still something that happened in my life, you know. Your career, Alex, is the perfect example of a guy not giving up on a dream. Um, so, A, why did you not give up on the dream? I mean, you've been around the league since 2015. And, B, there had to be times when you were like, you didn't literally like have a paycheck. I mean, how did you make it? How, how exactly how instrumental were your parents and your family and your loved ones? Uh, my family, you know, my family, I, I don't know without them. I think, you know, 2015 was, you know, a huge year. Cause obviously, you know, going to college, you know, getting a scholarship was, you know, incredible. I still remember that when they dropped me off at the airport, and, uh, well, it didn't drop me off. They sat, at, you know, sat, they, you know, whatever you can do. Cause I was still 17 when I went to college. So they were allowed to, you know, find a way to get in the airport. I remember them, you know, sitting there with me, you know, leaving for the first time by myself and, 
you know, from that moment to just, you know, getting to play football in college, uh, doing what I did in college, to having an opportunity to play in the NFL. And then, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, that that perfect experience of a first rounder. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pretty. You know, I was cut and released, you know, more times than, you know, I can remember. And, you know, I just I, I don't think I ever noticed it because I was, you know, I was 21 and just kind of enjoying the experience but i know my mom when it it wore on her just driving back and forth in the airport because in la obviously everybody knows you know traffic's horrible and so she i think she took me to the airport more times in in 2015 than you know obviously ever before and just the the wear and tear you know it puts puts on a family to be able to you know it, it just ends up being a lot. So what they were able to do for me, you know, throughout my career and, you know, get me to just being, uh, you know, obviously with Calgary Stampeders for three years. And then now here, you know, cause I've you've been active for maybe almost a year now <laughs> to this point. Uh, it's, it, it's been a lot. And without them, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Why did you not give up on the dream? A lot of people might have done that. Uh, my family, you know, they, They've never wanted me to, uh, you know, without, like I've said, you know, without them, I just, I just don't, you know, in my head, uh, you know, I, I want to play football and without, I don't know, football is just the thing that I have put every egg in the basket for. And, you know, I, I feel like, I, you know, it's just what I'm been working for my whole life you know since i was like three so just you know still uh still doing it that's awesome so they so your parents never said hey alex you're really great player and we love you but maybe this nfl thing isn't for you you know the they never they never said that i think you know they would they still uh they still let me live at home uh in the off seasons while i'm in the nfl so you know i think uh they they would support me through whatever you know I chose in life and so without them like I've said you know I, they they would let me do whatever I would want to do and it's the biggest support in the world and I think it's why I've been able to put all my eggs in one basket is because they uh, they'll they're they're my backbone they're my spine you know they uh, they'll let me do whatever I want as long as you know I'm 100% in on it whether it's whether it's all in and you're making, you know, the paychecks in the NFL or if you're standing on the outside just working in, working out in the garage to hopefully be there one day. Okay, so Alex, now you've got a game on Sunday. You've got responsibilities. I mean, you got to come down to earth. And it is a what, what have you done for me lately league. So um, will it be difficult for you to – or will it, be, will it be, you know, does this give you a surge of confidence? I mean, what's the next step for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's on to the Steelers, honestly. Um, it's time to go. Uh, we haven't had meetings yet. You know, we got uh, Monday and Tuesday off, but uh, it's it's time to go. You know, uh, exactly. You know, I've done this long enough that I I know that it's not a, it's not a hey, you had a, a pick six, you know, this game. You know, it, it's week four. And sadly, I understand that there's week five. So it's it's time to go. And that's it. I'm going to show up tomorrow for practice and Wednesday I'm, you know, I'm going to be running scout cards. I'm going to take whatever reps they give me on defense and I'm going to, 
I'm going to be a period one on punt and I'm going to, you know, work as hard as I can to perfect what I do on this team. Um, if one play defines your career, uh, you're, you're, you're not a good or great player. Um, so I want to, you know, I want to be good or great on every single play that I play. So it's, you know, it's back to square one on Wednesday, like it is every other week and just time to time to get better. And now let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben Roethlisberger back in the lineup, and that has meant the world to the Steelers. A washout 2019 season, this Steelers team has Super Bowl aspirations. My guest this week, Bob Labriola, Steelers.com. So first let's talk about the COVID-inspired bye week last week. Exactly the timeline and just how surreal was it, and what's your expectation for what, how this affects the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, you know, it, it was it was bizarre from the beginning, but I mean that seems to me to be the uh, normal. You know, bizarre is normal. All of a sudden in 2020, uh, this is how it happened. I mean, um, we beat the Texans on Sunday, go three and zero, and then the week started. You know, as it normally does. Monday was you know review that game. Tuesday was the players' day off, game planning day for the coaches. Wednesday, everybody showed up as normal and started preparing for the Titans. Uh, but at that point, shortly, it was mid to late morning maybe, um, the reports started coming out about the positive tests, COVID tests, from the Titans based on their previous game, which had been in Minnesota against the Vikings. So, um, but as far as we knew, you know, that we were told to just continue to prepare as normal. So that's what happened. Um, and then what got bad about it was, you know, unlike the situation with the New England Patriots, there was a, there, there continued to be positive tests within the Titans, both their team and their staff, their traveling party. And so um, as these numbers continued uh, to grow uh, each day, I think it was well, the first thing we heard was uh, it's going to be Monday or Tuesday. The game was going to be pushed back to. But then Thursday, there were still more positive tests. And by Thursday, early afternoon, the determination was made to postpone the game until later in the season. Now, you know, this is my opinion here. So just so everybody understands this, um, in my opinion, the Steelers got screwed uh, despite not having done anything, because what the way it it uh, had been was, you know, uh, our original buy was supposed to be uh, between a game at the Ravens and a game at the Cowboys, which would have been November first. So what it is now is um, our buy was last week. Um, the Ravens got. The Ravens had their bye moved to November 1st. And then, no, no, no. The Ravens had their bye moved to October 25th. That's when we have to play the Titans. Then on November 1st, we go to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Then the week after that, we're at Dallas. And so what ended up happening is now, uh, instead of getting a break between the Ravens trip and the Cowboys trip, the Ravens get a break before they play us, 
and we have to play at Tennessee, at Baltimore, and at Dallas all in a row. So, you know, again, unfair, but I don't think anybody really cares. There's not going to be any tears shed, certainly, uh, for the Steelers. And I understand, you know, that the league is trying to do its best to get the schedule, um, you know, off as close to uh, the way it was originally released as possible. You want to have a 16-game season, I get it. You want to have full playoffs, you want to have a Super Bowl. Roger Goodell wants to stand on that podium um, at the end of that game with confetti falling on him and hand that trophy to somebody to make it a legitimate NFL season. But what I think is, and and to me this is supported by the NFL's uh, actions uh, since then, you know, the league is down in Nashville now. The league and the union is down in Nashville investigating why this happened. And so, to me, they're looking at this as something other than just a sad happenstance. Right. And right. in my opinion, again, my opinion is that there should be punishment for teams, organizations, coaches like John Gruden who refused to wear the mask and continue to refuse to wear the mask on the sideline, uh, and they should be significant punishments um, because I don't believe you're going to change behavior unless you make it sting. And I don't think a $100,000 fine really stings to these kind of people in this particular tax bracket. So um, we're going to see what happens moving forward, but you know that doesn't really have any impact uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I can't tell you that the Philadelphia Eagles feel that great either because the Steelers now have a bye week going into Sunday, but that's neither here nor there. Everybody recognizes Pittsburgh as a 3-0 and team, Bob. How has it happened? What's been so good for the Steelers through three games? Well, I mean, you know, having been back uh, cannot, the significance of that, I, I, I can't put it into words, you know, in, in a short period of, of time. Um, everything is better because Ben is back. The defense is better because Ben is back because, you know, last year, uh, the last six, eight games of the regular season, the Steelers never scored more than two touchdowns. And so as an opponent, you know that you can play conservative. You don't have to take chances. You know that if you score 17 points, you're probably going to win. With Roethlisberger back, opponents don't have that luxury anymore. He's not lighting it up in terms of the, you know, Dak Prescott kind of numbers that you're seeing coming out of the NFC East. But, I mean, um, you know, his rating is uh, 105, I think it is, seven touchdowns, one interception. And, you know, last in the last game, there was a fourth and one right around the two-minute warning with the Steelers having a five- or six-point lead against the Texans. And, you know, it was one of those RPO plays, run pass options. Uh, ben goes to a pass, hits the rookie Chase Claypool with a quick pass. He breaks one tackle and runs it down to the Texans' two-yard line, and then it's take an E, take an E, take an E, and you're in the locker room with a win. Last year, he couldn't do that. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things that the Steelers now have going for them that they didn't last year. And, you know, leading up to... This past weekend's game, you know, the Steelers were leading the NFL in sacks. And, you know, my understanding is that the Eagles have a little bit of problem uh, at their offensive tackles. And so, you know, I'm just here to tell you that T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree 
uh, the edge rushers, I mean, they're the real deal. And, um, you know, the, the number of hits on the quarterback, regardless of the sacks, has been in the double digits virtually every week. And so, um, you know, whoever the opposing quarterback is figures to take some punishment. And, um, you know, they're also, they've also been pretty good run defense. So, um, you know, they haven't exactly opened against Murderer's Row, beat the Giants, uh, beat the Broncos, beat the Texans, but, you know, 3-0 and is 3-0. and Bob, do they still blitz as much as they have in the past? Um, yeah, there's, uh, they're pretty creative with it, and they do blitz. Um, but the other thing that they've been able to do is uh, with uh, Watt and Dupree and then Cam Hayward and Tyson Alualu, the, the former, he was like the 10th overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think it was 2004, no, 2010, excuse me, um, he filled in a nose tackle, and he is doing a decent job, not only against the run, but uh, in terms of pass rush efficiency from that position. He's among the league leaders among the defensive tackles. And so they have the ability. They also got Stephon Tuitt back from injury. So, you know, they have the ability to, to, to rush four or five, but they also will send corners, safeties, um, you know, you never know. And then offensively, it just amazes me that Pittsburgh always has a stud-wide receiver. Like, always. And Juju Smith-Schuster is as good as any of them. Give me a little scouting report on his game. Well, um, Juju was nagged by some injuries uh, last year. Didn't really have as good a season as he did the previous ones. But again, I attribute some of that to not having been there. Uh, And so, you know, Ben's back. Ben looks for him. Uh, in, in a lot of situations, Juju is a big physical guy, kind of taller and heavier. But in terms of the way he plays the wide receiver position, he's kind of like Heinz Ward. Um, he, he'll muck it up in the middle. Uh, he's not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, he makes physical combat catches, you know, those kind of things. And, um, you know, he is, he ha- he's, I think, I believe he's, 24 years old going into his fifth NFL season or 23 years old going into his fourth NFL season. You know, the, the, his age in years really is remarkable for the amount of experience that he has in the NFL. Uh, Deontay Johnson is a second year guy. Uh, he is someone who in, in some of the good ways is comparable to Antonio Brown and his ability to win matchups. Uh, coming off the line of scrimmage, and Chase Claypool is—he's—he's. He's, I mean, as a rookie, I never really believed that he would be able to contribute as he has to this point. You know, his numbers aren't spectacular, but in in the game against Denver, and I don't know if I've ever seen a stat line like this. He made three special teams tackles and caught an 84-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, that doesn't so, happen often. No, so uh, you know, he's another one of those big. You know, he's 6'3", 240, you know, runs a sub-4'5". Um, you know, I don't want to hang anything on him, any nicknames or comparisons on him. But, you know, Calvin Johnson kind of. Um, but this is a guy, you know, he's a gunner on punts. Uh, he's, he covers kickoffs. Um, and, you know, he has enough to run away from a defensive back, then drops one in the bucket, 
and he goes 84 yards for a touchdown with it. So um, they're, they're unique um, physical specimens. And again, uh, in, in terms of they've been able to work with Roethlisberger uh, throughout, what I've, well, I won't say the off season because it really wasn't that, but training camp and to this point in the regular season. And you know that's starting to come around as well. Bob, it sounds like you think that the Steelers are legit Super Bowl contenders. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I just wish that there was some way that uh, they could get into the NFC East. Hey, stop uh, that. Because, hey, ho, 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 hey. <laughs> because, um, you know, the Ravens are the Ravens. And, you know, based on what uh, Cleveland did last Sunday in Dallas, you know, I'm, I'm I'm starting to worry that the Browns aren't going to be a punchline anymore. I mean, that was something you could kind of count on since 1999. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I do believe that, uh, you know, things th- – and things have to go well. You can't the, – the Steelers aren't really deep in a lot of areas. Their front-line talent is, I believe, good enough to contend. Um, they've already sustained some injuries on the offensive line, but they've been able to absorb those so far. Um, I don't know that they can really withstand any more there. And, uh, you know, on defense, you've you got to have Devin Bush stay healthy. Mika Fitzpatrick has to stay healthy. Cam Hayward has to stay healthy. And if they do, you know, those are the kinds of players, they're good enough, they're experienced enough. Um, I think that, you know, put it all together, and, um, you know, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout this regular season won't be too much fun for anybody. Great stuff there from Bob. Thanks to Alex Singleton and, of course, head coach Doug Peterson and all of you for joining the podcast. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Trevor Hayes, and Ray Doyle for all their work here. Great stuff. We are looking forward to Sunday. But before that, we have our tailgate edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast on Friday. Make sure you take a listen. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. If you have a moment to give us a review, please do so. There's a link in the details section of your podcast description. And in the meantime, we're still in first place, guys. Bigger and better things to come in this 2020 regular season. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro. It's the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. We want you to know about all the podcasts in the Eagles network of podcasts. So make sure you tune into not only this Eagles Insider podcast three times a week, but make sure you subscribe and listen to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, our Journey to the Draft podcast Tuesday and Thursday, and our Eagles Update podcasts, which give you the news in a flash. Monday through Saturday throughout this 2020 season. Sign up, subscribe, and listen to our Eagles network of podcasts.